Hello, dear friends. This once again is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and I'm changing my hats right now. I'm taking off the pastor hat and putting on the evangelist hat and reaching out uh, as an evangelist with a pastor's heart. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you understand what I'm saying, I have a deep uh, passion and compassion for people that are wandering in the wilderness instead of entering into the blessings of Canaan today. Oh, friend, God wants you to be kept by His power and represent His kingdom, even in this very last of the last days. Amen. And I just believe God is going to open the floodgates of heaven as we begin to apply His Word to our life and we begin to pray effectively in these last days. It is needed more than it has ever been needed. Our our text is from James 5, and uh, let's begin reading with verse 16, 17, and 18. Listen to it. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias, or Elijah, verse 17, was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. He prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. I want to go back and read verse 16 from the Amplified. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Praise God. I want to see these floodgates of heaven opened. And we talked about, as we deal with the subject, seven hindrances to answered prayer. One, uh, not necessarily in any particular order, but one is sin itself. Sin is a separator. It breaks fellowship with God. And we need to be in fellowship with God in order to see prayers answered. I'm going to move on to number two today, and it is setting up idols in our hearts. And I want to begin our reading from Ezekiel in the Old Covenant first. Ezekiel 14, 3 through 5. Listen to this. It says, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and have put right before their faces the stumbling block of iniquity. Should I be consulted by them at all? Therefore speak to them and tell them, Thus saith the Lord God, Any man of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity, and then comes to the prophet. I, the Lord, will be brought to give him an answer in the matter in view of the multitude of his idols, in order to lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel, who are estranged from me through all 
their idols. The word idol here is a Hebrew verb, and it it means to set up, to be lifted up, to impose, to pride oneself. So an idol in the heart of the believer results in estrangement of the believer from God. It breaks the intimate fellowship relationship with him. R.A. Torrey wrote this about this particular subject. And notice, this is not talking about some stone or wooden idol per se. This is talking about idols in the heart. And this is, is how subversive this, this, uh, this temptation to idolatry is when the enemy wants us to put anyone or anything before God in our life. R.A. Torrey wrote, and I quote, One great question for us to decide if we would have power in prayer is, Is God absolutely first? Is He before wife, before children, before reputation, before business, before our own lives? If not, prevailing prayer is impossible. If not, prevailing Prayer is impossible. I don't know how we got away from all of these issues of the heart and made this just a faith issue. But we're in a generation that doesn't seem to want to focus upon the attitude of the heart and the activities of the life only on faith to believe for what we need. And in that kind of attitude, we're already seeing idolatry come to the forefront. See, all the various forms of modern idolatry have one thing at their core, and it is self. That's why Jesus said you can never ever be my disciple unless you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. We no longer bow down to idols and images. Instead, we worship at the altar of the God of self. This brand of modern idolatry takes various forms, but all the forms originate with the ultimate idolatry, the worship of ourself instead of our sovereign and our Savior our God, and our King. So, friend of mine today, we need to get very, very honest because idols in the heart will break that fellowship relationship with God. And and it is one of those glaring sins of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. So, idolatry of, of self has at its core the three lusts found in 1 John 2 and verse 16, beginning with verse 16. Listen to it. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. If we're to escape modern idolatry, we have to admit that it is rampant and we need to reject it in all of its forms. It's not of God, but of Satan, and in it we will never find fulfillment. This is the great lie, the same one that Satan's been telling since he first lied to Adam and Eve. Sadly, we're still falling for it. Even more sadly, many churches are propagating it in preaching just about wealth and material gain. Uh, built on the idol of self-esteem and and self-aggrandizement. It's all 
when you get right down to it, about self, self-indulgence. But we'll never find happiness focusing on ourself. Our hearts and minds must be centered on God and on others. This is why, when asked what is the greatest commandment, Jesus replied in Matthew 22 and verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. When we love the Lord and others with everything that is in us, there will be no room in our hearts for, our, for idolatry. As love for God increases, our tolerance for idolatry will decrease. You see, when the first love is, is waning, waxing cold, then idolatry is, is going to begin to take the forefront in our life. So this is an important issue today because every one of us need to deal with this crucial issue in relation to answered prayer. Self-love is the ultimate idolatry. And look what it produces in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. It says, For this know also that in the last days perilous times will come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. There it is. This is the altar of self. And look what happens out of this fundamental uh, altar of self-love. This, this, this altar that we build in our life. These are the outworkings of self-love. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heavy, high-minded. Here's, here's that ugly head raised up again of idolatry. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. You see what is happening? Self-love is replacing love for God. And out of self-love come all of this myriad of sinful activities. Verse 5 says, having a form of godliness. You see, this can exist in a religious facade. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Hear it, from such turn away. From such turn away. You see, friend, idols are anything that takes God's place in giving us fulfillment, satisfaction, security, or significance. Many of the things that people have idolized, both past and present, are not necessarily all bad things, but good things that take bad positions in our heart and in our life and in our priorities. We're taught by the Bible always to put God first in our heart. Colossians 3, 5 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and get this, underscore this, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You see, you don't have to be bowing to a wooden or golden or stone image. It can be anything or anyone in our heart 
that is taking the place of God, where we find ourselves loving pleasure, loving to indulge our flesh rather than to worship and serve our God. And by the way, in this, this kind of idolatry will never, ever, ever bring fulfillment. That's why the world is, is so blinded and they're going after the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. They are, they are seeking all, all of the things that the devil is, is offering them uh, so, so they cannot see their need for what God has offered them in Jesus Christ. The God of this world literally has blinded the minds of men and idolatry has taken the place of the worship of the true and the living God. That's why Christians above all people should be alert and aware of anything or anyone in our life that is, that is distracting us from the kingdom of God. You know, the Bible said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. And number one, it is not something for our physical man. It can be a blessing when we put the kingdom first. We can be healed. We can see prayers answered. There's many blessings when God opens the windows of heaven. But we initially don't go after the blessing. Initially, we go after God Himself. Initially, we do not just seek to be healed. We seek the healer. We do not just seek to be delivered, we seek the deliverer. We do not, not just seek the, the, the answer to, to some complex problem, but we seek God who not only has the answer, but is the answer. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus put it this way, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things that the Gentiles seek after. They are not bad things, all of them. They're things that are needed that we might live our life with our needs met. <laughs> Amen. But it begins with our spiritual need. That's why the Bible said, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. And when the soul prospers is when the king, hallelujah, is in his rightful place in your life and mine. Because the kingdom is not a mystical place or thing or circumstance. It is the rule and the domain of a king. It's where a king reigns in undisputed authority. And the question we must ask ourselves as Christians, does Jesus rule? Does he reign in our life in undisputed authority? Is there anyone, is there anything more important to us than our God and his will and his purpose for our life? Are we truly seeking first the kingdom of God and to be right with him? <laughs> Amen. Because if we are, all these things, the Bible said, shall be added unto you and unto me. For the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but number one, it is righteousness. It is being thoroughly right with God. And that can never occur if there are idols in our heart. You know, if I had an idol in my home, 
<laughs> if there was an actual stone or golden or any image, some idol in my home, it would be so easy to deal with that. If it was in my home and not my heart, I could really, I, I, I could really take it out back, bust it all to pieces and have it hauled away in the garbage. Because I would recognize that this should not be in my home as a Christian. It shouldn't even be in my garden. You can have an oriental garden. There's a lot of other things you can put in it than a, than a statue of Buddha. Uh, listen very carefully to me. It, 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 but if you have a Buddha in your garden, I would suggest you get rid of it because it is a god somewhere. It is an image of a god who is worshipped somewhere and is really no god at all because there's one god one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. I'm so glad I, I know and embrace that great biblical and spiritual truth today. You see, if there's an idol in your home, you can get rid of it. I went to Haiti years ago, and I came home uh, from Haiti, and I was exhausted when I left for Haiti. I was trying to do radio ministry. I was trying to do jail ministry. I was doing radio. I was doing jail ministry, taking care of the church, and, and there was no time to really rest. I didn't get the right nutrition. I became, uh, I became unhealthy spiritually physically and mentally and i was near a, a nervous breakdown when i came back from haiti and one of the things i did i brought back a, a beautiful carving of of fruit carved out of wood and colored very creative and artistically done uh, as a souvenir uh, from a trip to haiti but you know something when I saw that, I associated it with the, with the, uh, rightfully or wrongfully, I associated it with the possibility that the person who made that and sold that also was into voodoo and the occult, and I just got rid of it. I just got rid of everything that in my home that looked like in any possible way would be considered idolatry. But you know where the difficult place to find idols and to be honest about them is idols in the heart. Because when we set up idols in our heart, sometimes we're blind to these idols. We do not see something as innocent as, the, as, as sports. Sports can become an idol if it takes, consumes all your time, consumes all your money, consumes all of your energies to the point that you're not serving God. Your God doesn't have his rightful place. See, there's nothing wrong with sports if God is first. There's nothing wrong with, with, uh, with all kinds of things. I could go down a list, but it's not necessary. There's nothing wrong with so many things. As long as God has his rightful place in our heart. But whatever or whoever is put before God, make no mistake about it. If someone or something is before God, it is an idol and we should deal with it as an idol. Even covetousness, which is idolatry. You see, covetousness is not a stone image to some false god. It is an attitude within the heart that says, God, 
is not enough to fulfill me. Christ is not enough to give me peace and fulfillment and purpose in life. But if I had what he had, if I had what she had, then I could be fulfilled in life. It is crept into the doctrine of the church of the postmodern world of the 21st century, the church of self-indulgence. And it is represented biblically in the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's amazing that we apply this mostly to a, a sinner who's never known Christ, but it was the door of a church that he's knocking at. The most, the, the place he should be the most welcome of any place in the world is in the church and in the heart of the true believer. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and su see, here's the fellowship relationship that he's seeking with us. I will sup with him and him with me. Prayer shouldn't be trying to get a God, get our petition to a God that's sitting aloof in his heaven, but a God who is in intimate, personal communion with us. It's so easy to pray to a God that is in intimate communion with ourself. And it's this fellowship and this communion through idolatry that our enemy wants to break so that there will be a hindrance to prevailing prayer. And oh, how we need our prayers to be answered today for our good and for God's glory. Hallelujah. I, I don't want my prayers to be answered just so that I can watch TV without pain. I want my prayer to be answered so that my, oh, oh, yes, I don't want the pain. Yes, I want to be healed, but I want to be healed that I might bring glory, number one, first and foremost, to my God, that He is a faithful God, that His Word is true, that the days of miracles are not over, that God still sits upon the throne and He still answers prayer. Hallelujah. You see, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ear is open to their prayer. I don't want anything in my heart that hinders my prayer because I need to have that answer in my life. And when others ask me to pray, I need to be able to pray effectively for them. Amen. And above all, through the answered prayer to see God glorified. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. You see, we're getting down to the nitty gritty now. If I have an idol in my home, Something that is set up and I know and I look at that thing and I say, you know something, this, this, this God that is worshipped somewhere in some nation, I have an image of it, a picture of it. I have a stone image, a golden image sitting in my living room. Oh, friend, that's a no brainer, isn't it? We grab a hold of that sucker, take it out back and take a hammer to it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. But if it's hiding in my heart in something that seems innocent. But if I'm honest in my self-assessment and I see that it is, I have allowed it to become more important to me, consuming my time, consuming my money, consuming my, my energy, 
taking all of my focus, then it's harder to recognize it. And it's harder to deal with it. I'm going to tell you something about your flesh and mind. It does not want to let anything go that it indulges itself with. That's why lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God is fitting to the postmodern church in the 21st century. Listen to me carefully. This is so important. In in the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3, Jesus stands at the door of the church of Laodicea and he knocks. And he says, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and him with me. He said, I know thy works, that thou art neither hot or cold, but and because thou art lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, spew thee out means to be so sick at your stomach that you literally vomit out. It is the word for throwing up. It is the word for hurling. It is the word for vomiting out. When it comes with such force, it just spews out of your mouth. Listen to me carefully. He said, because thou sayest, I am rich. Listen to the self-indulgence. Listen to the idolatry. I am rich and increased. That's self-indulgence, isn't it? See, it's all right to have money as long as money don't have you. As long as the riches don't take the place of your God and your King. As long as you understand that peace and fulfillment can only come from Christ and only when He is seated in His rightful place in your life and mine in our hearts. Hallelujah. Praise God. You say, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And I say unto you that you're poor, you're miserable, you're blind, and you're naked. What a difference in how they saw themselves, how blinding idolatry is that it could be in a church, in that first generation of churches. And if it can be in a church, and a church can that quickly fall into idolatry, we have to be very aware of Satan's desire to get idols planted in our hearts and into our lives. And this is the one of the great hindrances to prayer. And God wants to remove it. As we tear down these idols, praise God, and we take them out back and we bust them up and we get them taken away from our lives. There is going to be a a communion with God, a fellowship relationship with Him. When He's in His right place, He's going to sup with us. We're going to sup with Him. And, And prayer is going to be like sitting at a table for two and talking to our very best friend. Hallelujah. Amen. Talking to God in a personal, intimate relationship with Him. Amen. And if we ask anything then according to His will, we're going to see mighty breakthroughs. We're going to see the floodgates of heaven come open, and God is going to pour out His Spirit, and God is going to pour out Answers to prayer. He's going to pour out the supernatural and the miraculous. And I'm looking for the floodgates of heaven 
to burst open in the lives of God's people. Someone said Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on their knees. I want to ask you a very personal question today concerning idolatry. It's so important. It's so very important that we, as God's people, deal absolutely, unmercifully with any idol that we've allowed to be erected in our heart and in our life, no matter how innocent it may seem, if it's sitting where God is supposed to sit, we're supposed to move it out of the way and let God take His rightful place. Because if we put the kingdom of God first and His righteousness, all the things that I need and you need, everything that pertains to life and godliness shall be given to us in answer to prayer. Satan fears the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, woman, boy, or girl. In fact, in one of the outstanding scriptures of the Old Covenant was last Sunday, actually, we talked about in our church service that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in behalf of those whose, whose hearts are perfect or whose hearts, better rendering of the Hebrew, better to be understood and applied, whose hearts are holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, committed to Him. Hallelujah. Praise God when we get rid of idolatry, dear friend. Even the covetous attitudes of our heart, which is idolatry, it's already sitting where only God is supposed to sit, where only Christ is supposed to be. And when this occurs in the heart of a believer, we become a powerful threat to the enemy of our soul because we can pray and see the hand of God move. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to get rid of sin that separates from God. And I want to get rid of idols that supplant Him and take His place in the throne of my heart and my mind and my life. And I've prayed about this. Everything I'm teaching right now, amen, I am personally praying for this sanctifying and cleansing, this washing of the water by the Word. Hallelujah. Praise God, because I not only need my prayers answered, I need and I want to see my King glorified. I want to see God move. I want to see Jesus lifted high. I want to see the glory of God. Therefore, I want to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I'm going to see it all when I get to heaven. But right here in the nasty here and now, not the sweet by and by, I want to see Jesus lifted high. God exalted and seated on the throne. Hallelujah. How about you today? Let's take a real deep look inside. Let's ask God to help us today. Like David of old, search me, Lord. If there's any unclean way in me, show me. 
He wanted to deal with it. He wanted to remove it from his life. Oh, there's a great revival. The floodgates of heaven are like a dam about ready to burst. And I believe when Christians begin to get clean in mind and heart and body, sanctified, holy, spirit, soul, and body, that dam's going to burst. God is going to open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a mighty revival before Jesus comes. Will you pray with me today? And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the perilous time is here. Now I believe your eyes are being opened to your need for a Savior. And I pray that you will repent of your sin and come to Him. Don't run from Him. Run to Him. Be safe. Be sealed. Be secure. Before Jesus comes. And come back next week. And let's talk about Jesus.